Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. You're with Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia Pacific shares are trending lower this morning. Seoul is down half a percent. Tokyo and Sydney are in the red as well. The U.S. markets were closed overnight for a holiday, so there was no guidance there. Investors, meanwhile, had their eyes on Beijing today as they await the latest factory output data. Joining me now as we break down all the market data. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Good morning, Michelle. What did the chickens say as it crossed the busy street? What did it say? Excuse me. <laughs> Excellent pun. <laughs> Lots of chicken jokes flying around this morning. We talk about chickens a lot, haven't we? Tomorrow, Malaysia's ban on poultry exports goes into effect and restaurants and hawker stalls across the island are still trying to figure out how to cope. Not only are prices likely to rise, but the quality of your favourite chicken rice could be impacted as well. That said, the latest headline indicates not every restaurant and chef is going to be equally affected by Malaysia's export ban. In fact, there's a type of chicken inequality that's creeping into the picture. How so, right? Yeah, I know what's for lunch today. So not all chickens are the same. So that is the story here. So we've heard about a ban on Malaysian chickens in Singapore. But turns out there's a twist. You can actually get chickens if you go for the more premium Kampong types. These are the more gourmet style ones, which uh, you might find in the higher end restaurants or some of the hawker center type of stores which specialize in Kampong style chickens. So they are kept in, I guess, a more high maintenance type of place and they are commanding a more higher premium as well. So they sell for a higher price. So these are not as restricted in terms of exports versus the mass market type broiler type of chickens, which have been what we've been talking about in the past few weeks. So something that's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. The compound style chickens will still be able to make their way across the causeway. They're thinner though. They are thinner, but some say better in quality or taste. Bonier. I find. <laughs> Malaysia to ban chicken exports is part of a growing trend across the globe to limit food exports as governments try to rein in rising prices. In Africa, Ghana and Uganda are among the latest countries to bar grain and food exports. In Europe, Hungary has halted the sale of certain crops outside of its borders. And closer to home, of course, we've seen limits on wheat and palm oil exports by India and Indonesia. Despite making headlines, though, these export bans not always as popular at home as you might think. And protests by farmers and traders can lead officials to do an about-face. Tell us more. Yeah, it is quite a difficult balancing act that policymakers have to balance. This is where you have... I pointed out farmers, producers, these are jobs. And part of the government's job is to make sure everyone is, or as many people as they can, is fully employed and happy. And if you've got farmers on the streets protesting, that is not going to help their cause. So something that is worth looking at in Malaysia is how palm oil is not banned. But if you have a ban in Indonesia, what's going to happen is Malaysia will just step in to fill up the market gap. So this is why Indonesian farmers are not happy with the way things are playing out. And they are also complaining that the price of the palm fruit that they are selling has dropped 70% below the floor price that the government has set out. So that's the impact of a ban. So they are earning less. So what is more lucrative is selling overseas where they are able to get a higher premium and of course more profit. So if they are unable to do so, you can imagine 
what might happen? Some of the businesses might have to cut back on workers. They will not earn as much. And that's going to have other implications for the Indonesian economy. And if you look at what's happening in India, you have a similar situation there as well. And it's a case also of the government not having enough accurate data to figure out their own food supplies. So what happened was they were quite optimistic about the harvest that they would get around wheat enough for them domestically and enough for them to export as well. Uh, But it turns out it was not enough and they did not buy enough for their own domestic supplies and that's why we saw a ban by India on wheat. And this is now also seeing a similar story where you have farmers also complaining that they are unable to sell overseas for a better premium And also, many of these farmers have already been shipping some of these supplies and shipping it to containers. And some of these ships are already halfway across the sea. And these are now stuck in the middle of nowhere because of these bans. And many of them are now refusing to unload their supplies to their customers and to honor their contracts. So that's been causing a lot of disruptions as well. And that is seeing the Indian government doing a bit of a review to see what needs to be done right now. We're going to be watching closely to see if Malaysia faces pressure to reverse its ban of chickens. That would certainly bring a sigh of relief to Singapore restaurants and consumers like me wondering if it's chicken rice again today for lunch. Now, Ryan, I'm wondering how the Malaysian chicken export ban will affect Malaysia's poultry companies. Do you think this might actually help their businesses? And if so, who are a couple of the listed ones that Singapore investors could buy into. Yeah, it's a tough business, actually. If you look at the fundamental reason why Malaysia actually had a ban was because it was seeing a drop in supply. And that problem was because the cost of rearing chickens in the first place is going up. So things like the feed for chickens and everything to do with the logistics of rearing chickens, that has been going up to, of course. And that has seen supplies going down as People cut back on production because of those rising costs. And in turn, many of them have been just thinking twice about staying in the business. And that is something to watch out for as we see the impact of inflation, the rising cost of livestock feed, and all the pressures that the business is facing, maybe putting more pressure on some of these businesses to pivot elsewhere. And one of the egg producers, chicken egg producers, mm. LTKM, has been already making the news for talking about just getting out of the business by a reverse takeover. And they will be pretty much divesting themselves to someone else, which is likely to be an electronic manufacturing services player. So it is a totally different industry, just a reflection of how tough it is to be in the poultry industry right now. And other names include Lei Hong as well. They are in the business of producing eggs. And similar, they have quite high cost pressures as well they are facing. And this could be just putting a lot of question marks around the certainty or the future prospects of all these chicken businesses with yeah. the profits under pressure. Long-term prospects of these businesses. So other Bursa Malaysia listed companies in the poultry industry, Leong Hub International, Lei Hong, as you mentioned, QL Resources, Teo Singh Capital and CCK Consolidated Holdings Perhati, in case you wanted to take a closer look at these companies. All right, enough about chickens. Let's talk oil.
There is still a common theme here. Countries that do not want to buy or sell to each other. In this case, the European Union has agreed to its strictest ban yet on oil imports from Russia. There are some loopholes though. Ryan Phillison. Yeah, so European Union leaders have agreed to cut 90% of oil imports from Russia by the end of this year. So just kicking up a notch on those sanctions against the country. So something that has seen the price of oil push up a bit higher. And that is pretty much what we've been expecting. The EU and its members to put more pressure on Russia as we see the Ukraine war continuing to go into yet another week. I believe is now three months in. So this is actually the sixth package of sanctions from the European side. And this is, of course, seeing the familiar opposition from Hungary. That is just seeing them not on board totally. If you look at what the EU imports from Russia, they get 26% of their oil from Russia. And for a long time, they've been criticized for just, I guess, dragging their feet around these sanctions. But at the same time, you have to also consider that their economies are quite dependent on the sources from Russia to keep their jobs going, their economies going. And that is something that is a really tough one to balance for policymakers there. And also another factor raising oil prices is the China reopening story. That is around Shanghai and Beijing. Those prospects of activities around businesses and factories just coming back online again is just lifting the sentiment around how maybe the economy could be demanding more oil again. This is the harshest economic penalty yet imposed on Russia for its invasion of Ukraine. Potentially the biggest sacrifice by Europe to date. So how are oil markets reacting, Ryan? Okay, if you look at where oil prices are, we have been seeing them go through in the past few weeks. A bit of a range-bound pattern. But if you look at where we are right now, they are just seeing some signs of bouncing back. And if you look at oil prices overnight, they are up by 0.2% so far this morning at $117 for crude oil. And for brand crude, is up 0.3% at $122 per barrel. So all in year to date, crude oil still higher by over 56%. And what's worth noting is it is nearly a two-month high right now. And OPEC Plus will be meeting come Thursday on what it wants to do with its production supply. And by and large, expectations are they will stick to their gradual introduction or reintroduction of supply back into the markets. No big surprises there, but something that we closely watch on Thursday in terms of potential leads for oil prices. The other big international story that the markets are tracking this morning is the partial reopening of Shanghai. For the first time in two months, people in some parts of the city will be allowed to leave their homes. Taxi and ride-hailing services are set to resume and public transport will start up again in Shanghai tomorrow. Ryan, there's no question that Shanghai's economy has been crippled by the extended lockdowns. Not one single car was sold in the city last month, for example. Mm. China has announced new economic measures, though, to help jumpstart the economy. Remind us, what are some of the actions it's going to take? Yeah, so it's a series of various steps, 50 measures across eight categories, a lot of it around 
tax cuts, and you also have measures around helping property projects, raising the quota for car ownerships to also address that lack of car sales we've been seeing. And also, we've seen how Beijing has had to ease its control of movements, so helping activity come back online again. So all in helping to just raise production and productivity of workers by reopening the economy. So how have markets been reacting to Shanghai's opening up? How's the renminbi trading? Okay, if you look at the renminbi, it mm. was a good Monday, up mm-hmm. 0.7%. And a similar reaction as well for the benchmark CSI 300 index. And a couple of familiar or expected names enjoying that reopening benefit. And mm. this is around the travel and tourism names. For example, Li Ning, a sportswear maker, was up at least 9%. Same for restaurant chain Heidi Lao. Also travel higher, Dingling Hotel Corporation as well as Guangzhou Bayun International Airport. Both rose quite a bit for the airport. Bayun International up 4.5% and Jingling up the maximum 10% limit. Trip.com also higher by 4% in Hong Kong trading. And breweries like Jingdao and Chongqing were also among the top gainers, each higher by at least 6%. So that is just showing some prospects of momentum continuing for the Chinese reopening story. Time for corporate news. I have three companies that I'm going to take a look at. Two are listed here in Singapore, one in Indonesia. Let's go with up or down. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's start with Indonesia's tech giant GoTo. Mm, I would go with down. down because GoTo <laughs> really? is still making losses oh, yeah. and they have seen their marketing expenses going up. So on that front, I would go with up. In fact, marketing expenses Wait, are you going to go with up or down? I would go with down, down. because the expenses are going up. <laughs> so their expenses have more than tripled. That's it. Yeah, exactly. So GoTo's revenue jumped by more than 50% in the first quarter as well. That's certainly good, but its losses jumped even more. So they tripled about $600 million. So definitely a down for me. Yang Zichang Financial. That's going to be an up for me. So good news for shareholders. They are mm. upping their dividend payout policy. So it will be at least... 40% of the group's net profit after tax. So good news for at least the next three years up to FY 2024. I'd say that's an up. Yang Zichang Financial, though, has been struggling since it's been spun off from its parent company a little over a month ago. In fact, its share price is down 12%. So what do you think of this move, you know? It will do some confidence or do, go some way to helping attract investors back again, you know, as a dividend play at least. And also comes off the back of that mandate recently for directors to be able to buy back shares. Mm. That was the proposal. So Mm. I think it Mm. is slowly, slowly Slowly, making itself more attractive. Slowly, slowly. All right, we'll uh, keep our eye on Yang Zichang Financial. The company's stock has rallied over the past week. Next, Sats. Okay, this is going to be an up for me. It is back in the black for a second half of its financial year. $7.2 million in profit versus $2 $2 million in losses last oh. year and it is expected to benefit from the reopening of borders as well. Sats back in the black. That's an up for me, grossing more than $600 million in the second half of its fiscal year because, of course, of rebounding air traffic over at Changi Airport. One more item today. This from the world of crypto. What do you think of Luna up or down, Ryan? Well, Luna is going to be a down for me. So they have 
come back to life as Luna 2.0. Mm-hmm. So that project resurrected, but Luna fortunes are not as rosy as they hope. So even though they initially rose the Luna coin prices, it came back down again as high as 1953, dropping back down to around 439 mm. and eventually settling around 590. So not a lot of support for lunar coin prices. The moon is fading. We talked about this week when the so-called stablecoin Terra crashed. Luna, of course, was linked to Terra and a new version of the crypto token has been launched, Luna 2.0. And I've seen so many YouTube videos of would-be influencers touting that this was a new way to make money. And I thought... Really fool you twice. Shame on you, right? The value of Luna has already taken a huge beating, dropping from nearly 20 US dollars over the weekend to less than $6. So what do you think? It seems like a bit of hutzpah to me to relaunch the failed token. It takes a lot of nerve. It does take a lot of courage to get into Luna right now. But as with cryptocurrencies, they don't go in a straight line. It goes up and down. It really depends on when you buy and when you sell. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 21 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index started the week off in the black, raising a quarter percent to 32.38. The Chinese electric vehicle maker NIO was the biggest gainer on the local market, jumping more than 8% to top 17 US dollars a share. So how are stocks trading this morning? It's doing actually pretty okay. So despite a muted start across the region, we are seeing the STI higher by 0.5%. 3,255. So it's extending that three-day winning streak, which saw it higher by 0.3% on Monday. So looking at what we have right now across the board, more green than red, only eight counters underwater. At the bottom, SATs down 2.6%. And this is despite reporting a swing back into the black in the latest earnings. Also in the bottom, we've got Judging Matheson down 0.8%, followed by Genting Singapore, and Yangchijang Shipbuilding. Also, taking a look at the top of the table, DBS is up 1.5% at 3165. OCBC not too far behind, up 0.9% at 1183. And UOB in the green by 0.2% at 2940. So that is the action so far. Thanks very much. Ryan Wang joining me there. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.